This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I'm excited to have Dan Butterly, Senior Associate Commissioner at the Mountain West Conference, along with my co-host, Andy Dolich, as we're going to dive into Dan's career uh, within college athletics. Uh, the, the unique thing about this episode, uh, as we've had a couple before, is we've got three Bobcats on the phone. So Andy, Dan, and myself all went through the, the OU Sports Ad program. Uh, Dan, welcome to the episode, but were you the first class of the professional online program? Is that correct? Well, we, li- we, we like to refer to ourselves as, as the first class, but we were actually the oh, second class. Sorry. So the uh, class, of, class of 2012 was the uh, class that uh, graduated before us, but we'll, 2013, we'll refer to it as the first class. So, And take, take us through your career path, kind of where you are right now at the Mountain West Conference in uh, beautiful Colorado Springs. Absolutely. So got got started when I was at Illinois State University. I was the head basketball manager uh, for then head coach Bob Bender. Uh, great staff that we had there. Uh, went on to do great things uh, with that staff, but uh, decided uh, didn't want to move back home. So I, I, after I graduated, so I took a job at, at the daily newspaper in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, called the Panagraph and worked there for about uh, 16 months uh, before I got the opportunity to take an internship at the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, really focused on sponsorship sales and, and uh, getting our marketing efforts underway and, and was offered the opportunity at the, at the Valley to take a full-time position, kind of created a full-time position for me at that point um, and worked there until 1999, ran the, the Missouri Valley basketball tournaments, uh, managed the sponsorship efforts, helped launch the Missouri Valley TV network, um, did a lot of things, loved St. Louis, loved the Missouri Valley and Doug Elgin, uh, also in Ohio, grad was the commissioner there and still is. Uh, the commission there till this to this date, um, and then in 1998, the Western Athletic Conference, uh, the member institutions, eight of the member institutions decided to break off and form the Mountain West Conference. Uh, Craig Thompson was hired as the commissioner of the Mountain West in uh, October of 1998. Uh, we began having discussions at that time uh, on my interest in coming out uh, to work at the Mountain West and. Uh, I remember uh, Doug Elgin uh, joked with Craig, said you could talk to Dan, but you can't offer him the opportunity until he gets done running the 1999 NCAA Midwest Regional, which was at the Trans World Dome at the time. Uh, and then two days after uh, I finished running the uh, Midwest Regional, I uh, packed up my bags and headed out to Colorado Springs. Uh, and I've been working at the Mountain West Conference since then. So really, uh, Jake got the opportunity to start uh, the Mountain West Conference from the very beginning. So it's been a privilege to be here now 20 years. That's awesome. And and were you one of the ones who were responsible for picking the colors of the logo? I mean, what 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 was your role there when you first started? Can you? Well, the the better the when I started at the Mountain West, my primary role was marketing sponsorships. So really getting our marketing, advertising, promotions, merchandising, licensing, all a lot of our external relations pieces uh, up and running, and as well as managing uh, all aspects of men's basketball. 
uh, for the league at the time. And, and one of the things that really attracted me to the Mountain West was the great success the Mountain West men's basketball programs had uh, with coaches like Rick Majeris, Fran Fritchilla. I mean, we, we had some really good coaches uh, that were helping to start up the Mountain West. So uh, really focused on, on those areas of operations and revenue generation and our, our basketball enterprise. No, that's awesome. So as you started there, was there a vision for, you know, you look back 20 years ago to where you are now, could, could where you are now possibly have been in the vision that, that you guys had when you started or. I, I think from, from a competitive standpoint, I think we're always working to get better. I think we're better now than we were when we first started uh, the mountain West. I, I think we're in a much better position, particularly in, in the football side. At this point today, we've got two top 25 teams in, in the AP poll. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're very strong in football. We're, we're getting better. We've, we've gone through a great period in men's basketball from the 07 to 2013 uh, time frame where we were getting multitude, three, four, five teams in the NCAA tournament. And right now we, we've got a group of, of young coaches, young, very successful coaches uh, that are in the Mountain West. I think we're a year or two uh, away from getting to that point again. But I think – you look at what's happened with technology, the things that have happened in the broadcasting industry since we started it in 1999. 99, we signed an agreement with ESPN, uh, and it was ESPN Linear Network. Now, now you've got such entities as, as CBS Sportsnet, Fox Sportsnet, ESPN, and all the ESPN Plus and ESPN Three, and all the digital aspects of it. Uh, Stadium, who's our partner on, on the digital side for all of our, our uh, a lot of our Olympic programming is all on Stadium. So. Jake, it's amazing how technology has, has taken college athletics from uh, really – you look at the Stone Age compared to what it is now. Okay, so Stone Age, that was a perfect segue to me. Um, <laughs> and I, I happened to be sitting at, a, at some sort of conference many years ago, and there was a young man there named Mark Cuban. Perhaps you've heard of him. And Very well, of yes. Course, of course, that was pre-billion. Um, but somehow Mark was talking, this was a small group and, and the question was, okay, if any of you really ever had a ton of money, what would you do? And Mark without, without hesitation said, well, you know, I'm working on this streaming concept and people go like streaming, what the heck streaming? He goes, I'm a gigantic IU fan. And if I'm traveling, I want to, I want to basically be immersed in IU basketball I'm creating this, and several billion dollars later, right, when he sold to Yahoo, I think, if I remember correctly. And I, I then believe you're not, correct. And then not long after that, like, okay, I'm buying an NBA team. So, you know, to your point about dreams do come true and what exists today might not exist tomorrow, that's what's so great about the young men and women of today, that people say, well, it's a tough business to get into, Yes, it is, but it's still expanding every day on a global basis. And, you know, I think about the whole concept of mid-majors, right? Does that tick people off? Because you think about some of these schools that are kicking butt against the, you know, people that have this incredible brand over time. And I was with a bunch of my Pac-12 friends a few weeks ago. And they're not exactly going through the world's most wonderful time period. And who would have ever thought that? You know, last example, I have a friend who was an All-American at Belmont in Nashville, and they were playing Stanford a few years ago on the way to play in the Great Alaska Shootout. 
And I said, hey, why don't we go see Belmont play Stanford? And there's a local school here called Belmont. And the guy goes, why would I do that? Stanford will win by 70. And I go, it's not that Belmont. It's this Belmont. He goes, Belmont, Schmelmont, what difference does it make? And of course, um, Belmont beat Stanford by 19, I think. And it wasn't <laughs> um, a great basketball program, Belmont. No doubt about that, Andy. So does that mid-major circumstance, where does that stand when people are meeting at the NCAAs and, oh, I, I have this great brand and I won't mention who it is, but we're top five every year. And somebody goes, well, what's the name of your school? Oh, yeah, we, we were in the quarterfinals of the NCAAs last year and you weren't. <laughs> Well, Andy, you bring up a great point. We actually talked about this. Uh, I had a media member ask us at our uh, recent men's basketball media days in Las Vegas, ask about the the term mid-major. And he said, does it offend you? And I said, yes, it does. Uh, I said, it's amazing how people want to label everybody, whether it's high major, mid-major, low major, or power five, autonomous five, group of five, uh, and the rest, division one. You know, there's 22 leagues out there that don't play um, – you know, they play FCS football, uh, some of them, but some of them are just playing basketball. So why we as a culture seem to seem to want to label uh, everybody and, and to be in a position where uh, Gonzaga is is labeled a mid-major program because they're in the West Coast Conference, but they played the Final Four uh, just a couple of years ago. What makes Gonzaga a mid-major because they're in the West Coast Conference? I, I don't think so. Gonzaga, I think, is more of a high major, but maybe some teams in their league aren't as high, you know? So again, it comes down to all the labeling we try to do in college athletics and you don't necessarily see those in, in major league baseball or, 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 you know, the NFL or, or those professional sports. I mean, you have relegation in the, in the European leagues uh, in that respect, but you don't have all these terms that we seem to throw in college sports. No, that's really interesting, Dan, that, that you bring that up. And, and I, I would also say, uh, it's a segue into titles as well across the industry in that, you know, there's all sorts of different titles across different um, landscapes and, and sports, et cetera. And some would ask, well, what does a senior associate commissioner do? Right. Or, or, um, you know, when you started out in the marketing field, like we all, we all wear a bunch of different hats, um, but dive into kind of what, what that looks like for you as, as you rose up the ranks and, um, you know, what did the title, did the title do anything for you? Was it just a different responsibilities? Did you dive into different areas? What did that look like? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, and and it literally a position, I have been on the senior staff of the Mountain West uh, since we first started in 1999. And I've gone from assistant commissioner to associate commissioner to senior associate commissioner. I think some of it has to do with uh, maybe the, the, the areas that you manage. It could be longevity uh, it could be uh, staff that you oversee or that you work with or that you've earned uh, that title. There's, there's to earn that title. Focus placed on titles. And, and Andy, I'll, you go back to a, yeah. a, cheer, a Cheers episode. And, and for this Cheers episode, when I talk about titles, uh, that I think it was, it was an episode that uh, Rebecca didn't have any money to give raises uh, for the upcoming fiscal year. So instead, she decided to give out title changes. Uh, and the, the guys <laughs> were excited because all of a sudden, Sam was named chief bartender. Uh, and then yeah. Woody wanted a, an even better title. So <laughs> I, I refer back to that episode uh, in respects to what does a title mean versus the job responsibilities 
that you right. have. I think oh, there is oh, a very clear de delineation between that. Yeah, he or she is in the C-suite. Well, what does that mean? You're at sea, <laughs> you're stealing on a ship, and, and right, you're a SAC, Senior Associate Commissioner. Like, yes. <laughs> do people, like, it's almost like menu determinations in restaurants. Is there, like, a place that people make up this, you know, ridiculous stuff? <laughs> like, hey, I run this, I'm a marketer, I'm a sales guy, and, you know, Jake and I luckily have talked to a lot of people and no matter how sophisticated we are, no matter how analytic our metrics are, or no, no matter how metric our analytics are, we're all in sales to a certain extent. And Absolutely. For those um, who go, well, look at my business card. It has 14 words on it. Well, I'm very <laughs> impressed. Have you ever sold anything in your life? Uh, no. Well, then good luck to you. Well, and Andy, you bring up a great point. It, it doesn't matter what role you play. In, in, the, in the sport organization, if it's a conference, if it's an institution, if it's a professional team, everybody's in sales. You're always working to sell something. If you're in media relations, you're selling the, the benefits or the strengths of your teams. If you're in, obviously, sponsorship sales, you're trying to sell to corporate partners. Um, merchandising, licensing, you're selling something. The ADs are talking to boosters, you know, trying to get them to invest in the programs. I mean, everybody in some form or fashion uh, is in sales in this industry. Yeah, and you have so many young men and women looking at the industry today, whether it's college, whether it's event or the pros, and go, you'd say, well, what is, if you had a magic wand, what would it look like? Uh, well, I would want to be the general manager. Like, well, good luck, but they're, the general manager's been in that place for 22 years. Okay, I want to be the AD. Well, the AD's been there for 15. Uh, <laughs> Oh, incidentally, they only hire one of those every however many years, but they just hired 20 people in their inside sales group. Oh, no, I don't want to do inside sales. No, I don't want to do that. Like, okay, you don't need to be a math genius to figure out where your opportunity is. You're spot on. It's amazing when you talk to undergraduate programs or, or even, Jake, as we talked about the, the professional MSA program at Ohio U, um, you know, there's people that may be in the corporate world that want to get into the athletics world and, and they don't understand that you're not going to, as Andy just said, you're not going to come in, even though you've had success at this corporation and, and get a sports management degree and then all of a sudden become the, the CEO of the Mets or the GM of the Mets uh, in that respect. There's, there's definitely a career path you have to take to be able to get that. And Andy, you're spot on. I mean, sales is, is where it is. It, you have to work yourself up and understand the organization by selling the organization, whether that's, you know, starting out in group ticket sales or individual ticket sales or however you got to do it, you, you got to take that first jump and you got to get in there. I, I did it. I, I literally started out in the sponsorship sales side and built myself a career uh, based on that. And, and sometimes you have to do what you've got to do to be successful. And that's a way to do it. Well, none of us, uh, you know, we're not casting any negative aspersions on Athens, Ohio or our degree, right? But Absolutely even, not. <laughs> though, even though we are the Harvard of sports management programs, we're not Harvard or, or MIT or Stanford. And I'll put our group of however many it is today, 1,800, against any school academic institution in the country and say, okay, show me what you got. Now, they might have some owners, but... Uh, that comes from family money. You know, we have it from earning our way up. And, you know, that's a pretty 
uh, strong example for young people that are trying to figure out how do I start a career path? And more importantly, how do I build one? Well, and Andy, I'll, I'll go another reference here as well for our, our younger uh, listeners to this podcast. I have a friend of mine that I've worked with for 20 plus years. He used to be at Southern Illinois University when I was at the Missouri Valley, and he called Ohio University the Hogwarts School of Sports Administration. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I thought that was that, that was pretty much spot on. As uh, you know, my my wife loves uh, Harry Potter. My daughter is currently an undergraduate at Ohio U. I mean, it's definitely an unbelievable program uh, from the undergraduate to the professional MSA to the MSA to the MBA program. So the Hogwarts School of Sports Administration. (laughs) Well, uh, okay. We know what we're going to dress up as next year, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get my costume ready. We got, we got 51 weeks. I do have. (laughs) Dan, in in terms of, uh, you were talking about selling yourself, right? I, I think, you know, that can resonate with a lot of us. And, and for those who are listening, who, who, who sit there and go, okay, well, how, how do I sell myself, right? Like how, you know, what separates me from others? Um, in, you know, obviously you've been really fortunate to have been able to build that, this, this longstanding career at the Mountain West, but you're still selling yourself internally every day, right? It doesn't just stop when you get the job. Um, So maybe talk, right? I mean, talk a little bit about how you've continuously had to sell yourself to, you know, your colleagues, your coworkers, your commissioner. I mean, people outside uh, the external facing constituents that you're dealing with all the time, right? Absolutely, Jake. And I mean, you're always selling yourself, you know, whether it's uh, trying to build that trust and help people understand or or help people understand your position on, on a certain topic. Uh, you're always, I, I don't want to say it's, it's pol- political, politicians, bureaucracy. There's always, you're always trying to get your point across and that's a sales uh, situation, you know, particularly whether it's working with younger staff or new staff that doesn't know necessarily who you are yet and needs to build that trust and that respect. You know, you need to earn that respect of your coworkers, but you also need to work, uh, build that respect and that trust with with administrators, with coaches, um, with outside vendors and people you work with uh, every day. I mean, that, that is an ongoing process. You're always having to work to sell yourself uh, that respect, that trust, that position that you're in or reason that, you know, this, this uh, person uh, was given a technical foul or you know, those type of things in the basketball space. There, there are so many things every day that you've got to try to explain it and sell to that individual uh, and you've got to have the facts, you've got to have the knowledge, and you've got to have the experience to be able to do that. Well, and, and for you, you're, you're not only selling yourself internally with, with your coworkers, but you're dealing with people like ADs to the people who are marketing, to the development, to the facilities, to the event staff, right? Like you've got to relate to a lot of different people. What's maybe one commonality that you've seen across the, you know, the people who are working in sports that... Uh, make maybe make it a little easier to relate to other people, or am I just kidding myself? As you know, it's a it's a true skill to relate to all sorts of different people across across work and and the industry. I, I think everybody in the sports industry kind of has that you know competitive nature to them. They they want to be able. They want to know the facts. They they want to know uh, where you stand on a position. I mean, if it is a situation that. Uh, you're bringing in new technology to the to the league, and you need all the member institutions to understand that technology. 
um, you, you need to develop those relationships uh, in that scenario. I, I work on the marketing side uh, in the Mountain West uh, as part of my role. And on the marketing and promotional end, that, that's where a lot of younger staff is built in. And, and it really pays dividends to meet those individuals one-on-one, -on -one, uh, to meet them in person. Uh, as much as you'd like to text, as much as you'd like to send an email, it's amazing how that interpersonal relationship can be built by having a face-to-face -face conversation uh, whenever you go to visit a campus or go to see a game. Uh, but also how even picking up a phone nowadays is very unique to that younger, younger generation, to the people that are coming into uh, the industry nowadays. That, that really can help save you time, but also build a better relationship and help position your um, where you stand and why the, the, maybe the league did something a certain way or why the institutions voted a, a certain way. Um, those conversations can be much more effective than sending an email. I mean, we've all sent an email that can be uh, misinterpreted. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of, mm -hmm. you're typing it with a smile on your face, but the recipient could be seeing it with a mad, you know, <laughs> with a mad face, you know, right. but to be able to pick up the phone and have a conversation for it's two, even, three minutes yeah, can I mean, be a lot better than spending 45 minutes on an email that you're trying to get, you know, accurate. Think about today's world when there's a lot of people, maybe it's just me, people don't even pick up their phone anymore. I mean, they have a cell phone, they don't even pick it up. And well, Andy, so, you, look, you, you, yeah. you look at the phone companies. I mean, the, uh, now long distance is free. We, I, we used to pay a fortune for long distance calls. <laughs> and, you know, 10 years ago, you used to pay uh, your phone plan was by the minutes. You were buying right. minutes, unlimited minutes. Now they don't even care about how much you talk on the phone because so many people don't talk on the phone. So that, that's a way society has changed that we've kind of become somewhat anonymous behind text messaging and emails versus, you know, where we grew up and you're selling, you're, you're doing that via cold calls and picking up the phone, you know, before yeah. you even try to meet these people. And it's amazing. I'm a gigantic proponent of face-to-face -face networking. Um, Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers, uh, it's well worth the read because we don't, you know, we, we so look at people's cosmetics and say like, well, what could they, you know, how could they help me? Why should I talk to that person? And, you know, there's examples every day. Um, I was sitting and talking to somebody last week, and I sort of knew who the person was. And I, I go, are you Anne? And she goes, yeah, who are you? And I said who I was. So Anne, you know, turns out to be Anne Wojcicki, you know, the head of like 23 and Me, and <laughs> her sister was married to Sergey Brin, and she owns YouTube. Or so you just you just never know, and especially in today's world. I mean, my official consulting uniform is cargo shorts. Um, my latest free T-shirt that I've gotten from somebody <laughs> and my latest free cap. Today, I'm wearing my Vancouver Grizzly, my Vancouver Canucks hat. And people go, what's that? And I go, it's the Vancouver Canucks. Don't you have one of these? Well, not, <laughs> not in Los Altos, California. They don't. <laughs> so, the per you know, the personality of reaching out to people is tougher and tougher, I think, from the posses of millennials that don't break out of their own group of comfort. Great point, Andy. Absolutely great point. I love that last statement, that, that comfort factor. You got you to gotta get uncomfortable to, to have some success. You, you got to you know, have some failures 
to build yourself, to understand where your, where your flaws may be or, or how to improve. Uh, I don't think too many people have improved by not failing. Uh, failing causes that, that opportunity to improve. Um, I mean, and you bring up, there, there's so many great books out there. I, ju- I just finished uh, uh, Robert Iger's book, the, the Disney CEO's book. And, and you look at the, the deals that have been made and he goes through a lot of those deals and, and none of those deals were done over the phone. I mean, those are his, his, his right. personal yeah. direct conversation with himself and Steve Jobs at, at Apple to, to buy Pixar. Um, you know, all these, all these inner workings and all these deals are done in person. Uh, and that's how you, as, as a successful person, that interpersonal relationship, that in person or picking up the phone is going to make you, make you much more highly successful than hiding behind your phone via texting, via emailing, via Snapchat or Facebook or LinkedIn, you know, messaging or <laughs> those type of things. Uh, pick up the phone, dial it. That's what the numbers are for and uh, have those conversations. So, Dan, for, for, for those who are listening that are maybe in the C-suite or in, you know, the, the management type roles who maybe struggle with um, the incoming workforce or interns that are, you know, facing their phones all the time or, or maybe not as good at, you know, communicating in person like you alluded to, it's uh, what suggestions or what advice do you have for them in terms of, of not necessarily dealing with it, but how do you, how do you challenge yourself to, uh, make those around you better and, and, you know, ultimately uh, help everyone be successful. Andy, or, uh, Jake, I think you and I talked about this when you were writing your book. And, and this is one that um, you've got individuals that, that are, you know, introverts, you've got people that are extroverts and, but you are not going to move on and move up in any job that you have. If, if you don't get out of that comfort zone a little bit and network, uh, as I think we've talked about before, this, the sports field is really 10% of what, what you know. Um, you know, do you have a degree and, and the experience that you've gotten? It's really 90% of who you know. It's, it's the people that can help you advance your career. When a position opens up, they're going to know, hey, you know, I, I know this person that I think would be great at that opportunity. And that, that's how you, you move up or, or get those opportunities in college athletics in particular. Um, and it really takes the time to – uh, get out and network, uh, get out of that comfort zone a little bit, uh, put on a suit, put put on a, a great looking outfit and, and go to a, a local sports marketing uh, entity that uh, has events up in Denver or wherever your locale may be. Uh, get out to the, the conventions. There are so many different conventions for any athlete, you know, whether it's COSIDA for sports information and media relations, yeah. uh, NACMA for marketing people, uh, Na- and the National Associated Development Directors, uh, for development directors. There's so many ways to get out there and have those conversations, network and, and meet people. Um, and it, it's not hard to do. There, there's, yeah, we didn't any- have we didn't have any of that uh, when we started or even until recently in every in mid-major market in any market in the country. There is always some sort of sports or sports business entertainment event literally on a weekly basis. Um, and that is the best way to sell yourself. I, I do have one question before I'm whisked away into the outer zone of, um, of the Silicon Valley, and that is the level of complexity in college, the fact that you have so many more constituencies to deal with in decision-making than the pros. You work for an owner, there may be a debate, but it's like, okay, here's what we're doing. 
but in college with so many different constituencies that have a place at the table, how do, how do you develop the kind of mindset knowing that it's usually not going to be a nanosecond decision? It's a great question, Andy. Um, you know, it really is developing those relationships, knowing the where you want to be. I think it, you've got to look at the end goal and really where you want to be. Maybe it's a certain position. <laughs> I hate to say a certain title because we've talked about the various various titles that are in college athletics. It could be a, a region of the country that you want to be in. If uh, you went to college uh, in the Midwest and you got a job, your first job was in Oakland, but you're from the East and you want to get back out East and you need to start developing those relationships with people that are based out on the East. Um, and that can be done at the conventions. It could be done by just picking up the phone. If you're, if you're just starting out in development, start talking to senior development people that are, you know, in an area or region or institution that you're interested in being a part of. Um, they're not going to get to know you. If you're working out West and you want to get out East, the Generally, they're not going to get to interact with you in your conference, in your league, in your um, institutional meetings. You're going to have to make that stretching and, and develop those relationships yourself uh, in that way. And that's where those conventions, that's where those uh, meetings and even uh, webinars can, can help in that respect as well. Dan, as, as, as we kind of wrap up the episode and, and uh, we, we want to thank you for your time today and, and certainly enjoyed uh, the conversation What's what's next for Dan Butterly and, and what uh, what's on you know your list to achieve you know in the future and um, you know what what are some of the things that and I love this question but what are you working on today right everyone <laughs> everyone has something to work on but what are what are you working on you know a big thing for me college basketball seasons uh, getting up and running uh, we've implemented uh, new technology with a company called Shot Tracker. Uh, it was funded by you know, David Stern, Magic Johnson, a number of uh, guys that have been involved with the NBA, uh, Bruce Ianini and uh, Davion Ross helped found this company. But uh, we have just uh, we'll, we're the first conference to be granted a waiver by the NCAA to utilize technology on the bench um, as, a, as a waiver. So we're excited about that. We've had the shot tracker system installed league wide in all of our practice facilities and game facilities, both in men's and women's basketball. So that's something that we're really we've been working on. Uh, very heavily over the summer and excited to be launching this, particularly as we uh, ramp up to conference games uh, here soon. But what, what's next for me? What do I want to be when I grow up? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> every day, uh, my job here right now is to get the Mountain West better and better every day. How can I help improve uh, the Mountain West? And, and I don't look at it necessarily for me. I look at it for the league. And, and I think any league that I, I work for, have worked for, or will work for uh, in the future, I think that's what they're going to find is what's best for that conference, not necessarily what's best for Dan Butterly uh, in that respect. And, and that's the way I've always worked, uh, more of a team player than an individual player, uh, even though I love it, more individual sports <laughs> in that respect. So uh, excited what the future will bring. Uh, you know, as they say, only God knows. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, that next opportunity is uh, coming up uh, in the years ahead. No, that's a fantastic perspective. And Andy, anything to add on, on our uh... – with our guest today before we well go. just one other point again having been involved on the pro side and knowing a lot of people on the college side you look you go back to numbers dan how many total sports are represented by the mountain west men and women 
we currently have 18. We have some institutions that have sports that are outside the Mountain West. Air Force is well over, uh, you know, 25, 30 sports at the Air Force Academy, but we have 18 uh, at the Mountain West that we conduct championships. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. How do you, how do you focus on all those at the same time? Well, the, the benefit is we've got a great staff, uh, the Mountain West. We, we've hired great people that can help uh, manage the sports that they're directing. So uh, from if you're the, the cross-country liaison, you're managing cross-country from uh, beginning to end. Uh, anything from regular season to coaches meetings to uh, the championship. And it's the same. That's the way we've managed our sports properties. Uh, men's basketball, I deal with. Uh, scheduling the broadcast network, uh, games, officiating, game management, uh, run our basketball championships, deal, you know, manage the coaches on a day-to-day basis, work with the ADs and our administration, our, our board of directors on anything that has to do with men's basketball. And, and that's really uh, how we've set it up here at the Mountain West, and that's how we're successful. That's awesome. Well, well thank you for your insights. And-, um, and, again, when you think about a Stanford or a Harvard, I think, or Ohio State, right, they have, like, 38 to 42 sports. Yep. And the Olympic sports are growing in stature every day. We have e-gaming that some schools are actually awarding scholarships to e-gamers. The future is so rich. And, it's, and if you just focus on one particular area, in my mind, you're selling yourself short. You're spot on. Diversity is key, Andy, in so many ways. And being willing to, and I think that's one of the reasons I had some success at the Missouri Valley, going from the internship to the full-time position, is I took on roles that people didn't want. Maybe they were tired of doing something, and, and I really took on those opportunities that other people didn't want to create that full-time opportunity. And sometimes that's what you've got to do. At the Mountain West, we've had great success uh, hiring our interns into full-time positions because they found a gap and found a need and filled that gap. It may not be necessarily 100% what you like to do. But sometimes filling that gap can definitely help you get that opportunity, whether it's a full-time position from an internship or moving up in the organization. Your DNA for people that are looking to hire is much more important than your GPA, at least in my view. 100%. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, Visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow. Thanks.